We're going to be in John chapter 20 this evening, and also we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, 58. So John 20 and 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to celebrate your resurrection. And it's not the way that we normally do, but nonetheless, we want to celebrate you, Jesus. That you came, that you died for our sins, that you rose again. And we ask that your spirit would meet with us in a very powerful way. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Easter this year did not turn out the way that we thought that it would. We anticipated to have gatherings together here in the sanctuary, a sunrise service, but this is what the Lord had for us. And in fact, this year, 2020, really hasn't gone the way that we thought, the way that we would intend for it to. With the new decade, there was lots of talk of the roaring 20s, and the year was really off to a bang. Middle of March, here in Colorado anyway, with the coronavirus, everything went dark, everything went quiet, and the streets are quiet, and we're here in our homes, but one of the things to understand is that there are some similarities between this Easter and the first Easter. Sometimes on a normal Easter, I find myself distracted with all of the busyness that it's difficult to focus on Christ. But this year's been different. This year, with all of the quietness and the stillness, it's been easy to focus on the death and resurrection of Christ, and it's impacted me in a greater way. What we're going to read tonight in John 20 is the disciples had put themselves in a self-quarantine. They were afraid that they too would get arrested, crucified, killed, so they found themselves locked in a room. And tonight you might feel locked in your home, locked in your apartment as this goes on and desperately longing and looking for a break. The resurrected Savior came into this locked room, came into this quarantined room, didn't even use the door, went right through the walls and declared, peace be to you. And that's my prayer for you tonight is that Jesus would come, the resurrected Savior, he's with you, that he would break through the walls of your quarantine and that you would know the peace that he desires to give to you. So we're going to read through the verse 23 verses of John 20, focus tonight on verse 19, then we'll end our time in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, where we're challenged to be steadfast. In response to the resurrection of Christ, because he's risen, we need to be steadfast. So get out your Bibles, read with me, John chapter 20. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and other disciples and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outrounded Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down, 
and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they didn't know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Still with me? Verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb. This is Mary Magdalene. And she saw the two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things to her. Verse 19, this is our focus verse for the evening. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. The same day at evening, the first day of the week. For the Jews, the first day of the week is Sunday. So Sunday is our Monday, and they've begun their week. The disciples choose by evening that it's best for them to be behind locked doors, out of fear. They're assembled together because of the fear of the Jews, that the Jews might come and arrest them just as Christ was arrested, that the Jews may come and kill them just as Christ was was killed. So they're in this place of fear. We need to try to put ourselves into the shoes, the sandals of the disciples. The disciples were not anticipating the resurrection of Christ, even though Christ had told them several times that he would rise from the dead. So the, the crucifixion of Christ was something that blew their minds. It caused their world to go dark. Fear has overcome them. They're waiting, not sure what they're waiting for, not confident of the resurrection. And we can relate this Easter 2020 as we have a stay-at-home order, and I'm blessed that the governor has allowed us to come and live stream and use this technology to minister the word of God. But we're stuck in our homes, not able to go out unless to the grocery store or if your work is essential and you're allowed to go and work. 
And fear might be what is really gripping your heart right now, just like the disciples. Here's an opportunity for another question this evening where we can interact together, that you can share with our team your comments and your chats is, what do you fear most about the coronavirus? Is it getting it and passing, it, passing away? Is it the financial shortfall and the difficulties that come from it? Is it the relational difficulties? Is it the fact that we don't have control? I think the idea that we have control is a facade and now we realize we don't have control and that can cause fear in our hearts. But this first Easter was not one of a big public gathering. It's much like right now where they're in their homes, locked in in a place of fear. But notice what happens next. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Can you imagine how freaked out that they would be? Here they are huddled together in fear with locked doors and the blinds closed. The resurrected Savior doesn't need to use the door. He's able to just come right in. And his message to the disciples who are in fear is peace be with you. I believe that's the message that God has for us as well tonight, is that peace, shalom, would be with us because of the resurrected Savior. If you're taking notes tonight, we've got five points right inside of this verse. So get out a pen and paper, jot these things down. Because of our resurrected Savior, we've been provided peace in five areas. First, number one, is that peace that our sin is paid for, total forgiveness. We have peace because of the death and the resurrection of Christ, because of his crucifixion upon Calvary. As Jesus hung upon the cross, he declared, it is finished. He's paid the price in full. Let's say for sake of example that I disobeyed the stay-at-home order and drove up into the mountains, which I don't plan on doing, went into some of these counties that are affected with coronavirus. From what I understand from an article that I read, is you can get 18 months in jail for disobeying and going up into those mountains, into those counties. So let's say I get arrested and the judge is about ready to sentence me, but here comes Pastor Robert. And Pastor Robert says, I want to take the penalty for you. And the judge allows it. In a much greater way, Jesus went to the cross for us because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, the wickedness that's inside of our hearts and our minds. We're all sinners. And we could not pay the price for our sin by being a good person. There's no way that we could outweigh our wrongs. We needed a savior. And Jesus went to the cross and he died for us and rose again. And he provides peace for us in knowing that our sins are forgiven. For all believers, we can rejoice in this. Our sins are forgiven. The price has been paid. Jesus took the punishment on the cross for us, the physical suffering, but also the spiritual suffering upon the cross. So we stand as forgiven people. We rest as forgiven people. What's interesting is Christ died on Passover, the Passover feast, remembering the lamb that was slain to pay the price for judgment for the children of Israel. 
when they were in bondage in, in Egypt and Christ died the Passover lamb on Passover feast. That then led to the Sabbath, Saturday. And it's his death upon the cross, him being the Passover lamb, that leads us into true Sabbath rest. So we have peace tonight in knowing that we have forgiveness. Christ's greatest deed met our greatest need and we're forgiven. I'm so glad that we're forgiven. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never trusted him for salvation, Jesus wants to come and forgive your sins. As you put your faith in Christ and rely upon him, he will then give to you forgiveness. It's the most glorious transaction of God granting to us his forgiveness. For all of us as believers, let's just rejoice right now. Let's give a shout out to the Lord right out in your apartment, in your home, and celebrate his forgiveness. Woo! We're forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Amen? So point number two is we have a peace that's been provided. Peace because the power of sin has been broken. Hear me on this. The power of sin has been broken through the death and the resurrection of Christ. Paul explains this in greater detail in Romans chapter 6 and tells us that we've been buried with Christ, that our old man has been buried with Christ, our sinful nature, and we're resurrected in newness of life so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So not only do we have forgiveness from sin, but we have freedom from sin. Before we knew Christ as our Savior, there was no way that we would be able to overcome sin. But through the death of Jesus Christ, his burial and resurrection, the power of sin has been broken in our lives. Is there a sin that you've been struggling with, maybe more through this time of quarantine? Has it been anger or, or lust or, or covetousness or selfishness? That's been crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and we're risen in newness of life. And it provides peace to us that there's hope for change, that we really can overcome sin through a resurrected Savior because the power of sin has been broken. If you're thinking about and praying about becoming a believer, trusting Christ for salvation, know that he also has the power to deliver you from sin, to overcome sin in our lives. Oftentimes it's a process, but Jesus is committed to changing us, committing to transforming us. So what have we seen so far? What's point number one? Point number one is peace that our sin has been paid for. Point number two is peace that the power of sin has been broken in our lives, that there really is hope for change. Number three is we have peace because death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. When Christ rose from the dead, he defeated death to where we know that when we die as believers, that ultimately we're going to receive a glorified body. First Corinthians goes into that. I'm looking forward to having a glorified body. And this glorified body will never know sin. It'll never know sickness. It'll never know disease. Death does not have the final word, but Christ has the final word. Is this applicable for us as we go through this struggle with the coronavirus? Absolutely. I read this morning that 241 people have died in Colorado due to the coronavirus. 
that the death toll now is over 18,000 in the United States. It's a lot of people to, to die. But those who have died who know Christ, death doesn't have the final word. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And at Christ's second coming, they're going to receive that glorified body. So we get to rejoice this Easter that the empty tomb of Christ gives peace over death. Maybe you've lost a, a loved one in this through the challenges with corona. Or in this last year, you've lost a loved one. This is your first Easter without your loved one at the table. And you need to remember Christ is risen from the dead. And for believers now, death is our ultimate graduation to lead us to go home to be with the Lord. I love point number four. Write it down, peace because eternal life has been provided. Peace because eternal life has been provided. Jesus never promised that we would not suffer in this life. In fact, he did tell us, in this life you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus came to do something far greater than just fix the problems of this life that have resulted through sin. He came to give us eternal life. Throughout the scriptures, hope, comfort, peace, and assurance have all come from focusing upon eternal life. You may say, Eric, how do you know that we have eternal life? And how do we know that the resurrected Savior provides eternal life? Because his words, his promise, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is something that believers have. So we get to hold on to everlasting life. This Easter, as we're inside of these walls of quarantine, to allow the resurrected Savior to come in and give us peace and let us know, hey, this is only temporary. You're going to have eternal life. There will be financial struggle in this life, but not in heaven. There will be broken relationships in this life, but not in heaven. There will be sickness and disease, but not in in heaven. We look forward to heaven. We look forward to eternal life, and it provides peace to our souls. And finally, number five is this. Peace that will never be abandoned, that we will never be abandoned nor forsaken. Part of the promise of the resurrection that Jesus gives to us is that we'll never, ever be forsaken. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you till the ends of the age. No matter what the days are like in this life, know that Jesus is with you. Imagine what this was like for the disciples as they're locked in this room out of fear. And here comes Jesus right in their midst and says, peace be unto you. And he's with them right where you're at, in your home, in your apartment, Jesus is with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Maybe your job looks entirely different and it's kind of weird and it's kind of odd and you feel alone. Jesus is with you. Maybe you find yourself alone during this quarantine and you're 
not able to share it with someone else and there's a deep loneliness inside of you, I've got to tell you, Jesus is with you. He's with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Maybe you're quarantined with your family and there's extra tension and boredom. Jesus is with you right now. The resurrected Savior is with you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll always be with you. So this provides peace in our lives. This provides assurance in our lives. Christ is risen, so we know that we're forgiven. Christ is risen, so we know power over sin. Christ is risen, so we know power over death. Christ is risen, so we know we have eternal life. Christ is risen, so we know that we'll never be left, we'll never be forsaken. The resurrected Savior really does bring the message of peace. Let's read on through verse 23, then we'll go to 1 Corinthians. When he had said these things, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus shows him the hands and his feet. He shows them his wounds. And we too are going to see Jesus in the lamb that was slain. In his glorified body, he still bears the wounds of the cross on his hands and feet, so that we would know that he loves us, so that we would know that he went to the bitter cross for us, for us to be able to enjoy forgiveness and adoption, to be the sons and the daughters of God. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you. They needed to hear it again. You need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. Peace be unto us. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's quite a statement. Where Jesus is saying, I was sent by the Father. I was sent by the Father to leave the comforts of heaven, to come to earth, to live a perfect life and die and be raised from the dead. And we're sent by the Lord to go to difficult places, to go to uncomfortable places, to be able to reach out with the love of Jesus Christ to someone who doesn't know the Lord. We're sent. Disciples are sent. When you study encounters of the resurrected Savior, you're going to find that Jesus, as he reveals himself, also gives the commission of to go and tell. I'm sending you. This is too good of news to keep to yourself. Not now currently, but in times past, sometimes Jimmy John's is giving away sandwiches across the street from the church, and it's such good news that word travels fast, or, or they're selling their sandwiches for, for a dollar, and the line is around the building, and people are coming in and telling the church staff, hey, there's a good deal going on at Jimmy John's. If you had the cure for cancer, would you share it? I would hope so. It'd be selfish to hold on to it. And we've been given the gospel to be able to share. The gospel that's the cure for sin. In verse 22 and 23, we're told of the power that enables us to fulfill the mission. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Breathing on them, an example of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is like the wind and Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, now receive the Holy Spirit. Because Christ has died and arisen from the dead, 
the disciples now can receive the Holy Spirit to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to be in them. And then in Acts chapter 1, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon them. The moment you receive Christ as your Savior, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon us as we wait upon the Lord. And it's the power of the Spirit that enables us to fulfill this mission of telling people about Jesus. Church, more than ever, we need to be sharing Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and lead you and guide you. And even this Easter weekend, who does the Lord want you to reach out to? Who does he want you to text? Who does he want you to give a phone call? We'll be streaming in the morning at 9 and 11. Who does he want you to invite to those live streams? But let's wait upon the Holy Spirit for the Spirit of God to guide us. Now, if you'd turn with me over to 1 Corinthians 1558 is Paul for almost 60 verses expounds on the resurrection of Christ. I want to highlight just a few of those in 1 Corinthians 15. He tells us that the death and resurrection of Christ is the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again according to the scriptures. He also tells us that without the resurrection, our faith and our preaching would be empty. If Christ never rose from the dead, then there would be no validity to our preaching. There would be no validity that Jesus was the Messiah. But the resurrection of Christ proves Christ's claims. He claimed to be God and he backed it up with rising from the dead in the empty tomb. So because Christ is risen, we have a faith that's full. We have a faith that's reliable and we have preaching sharing teaching that's powerful because Christ is risen from the dead. Because of the resurrection, we too will rise with a glorified body. Oh man, that's going to be glorious. Jesus has a glorified body. You're going to have a glorified body. What do you think your glorified body is going to look like? I think my glorified body is going to look like 220. 6'3", 220 instead of what I weigh now, which I'm not going to share with you. But man, we're looking forward to a glorified body that's never experienced sin, that gets to truly worship the Lord. That's part of the resurrection. Paul also declares that because of the resurrection, death is swallowed up in victory. Death has been defeated in victory. So then we get to the response the response to the resurrection. If you're wondering, how do I respond due to the reality that Christ is risen? This is how you respond. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So therefore... Because Christ is risen, we're beloved brethren. We're loved by God. Brothers and sisters, you're you're loved by God. You're the beloved by the Lord. Then God exhorts us and he challenges us to be steadfast. To be steadfast. I got to stand up to finish this off. This is too good to sit down, right? So be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
Steadfast is to be settled, not subject to change or variation. And we need to be in that place where we're settled. We need to be in that place where we're committed, that we're steadfast. Don't allow the challenges of the coronavirus to move you from your state of being steadfast. More than ever, this is a time for us to be steadfast, to walk in faithfulness in the Lord. And this moves to then the next point, is immovable. This is to enter into a certain state or condition. Don't move away from Christ or your calling. I'm sure that there are some marriages that right now, because of the challenges of the coronavirus, are saying, you know, we're going to move out. We're going to consider divorce. I bet that there's some parents that are moving away from children instead of moving towards them because of the difficulty. Unfortunately, I imagine there's some that are moving away from their churches and saying, I'm not going to be committed to worship and committed to the body of Christ. Temptation is more real at this time. If you struggle with the abuse of drugs and alcohol, there's going to be greater temptation. If you struggle with sexual sin, there's going to be greater temptation. If you struggle with anger, whatever our struggle is, there's going to be greater temptation. And church, hear this, is be immovable. Christ is risen. And because he's risen, let's commit and say, you know what? I'm not moving away from Christ. If you've fallen away from Christ, you've said, man, I realize that I haven't been walking with the Lord. Maybe even since the coronavirus has broken out, you've fallen away from the Lord. Or maybe it's been some time, six months, maybe even six years. Is it's time to move back to the Lord. It's, it's time to come back. It's time to say Christ is risen, so I am going to be steadfast. Christ is risen, so I'm going to be immovable. I'm going to trust upon Christ and rest upon Christ. Then this flows into always abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because Christ is risen, take every opportunity to abound in the work of the Lord. From the smallest task to the greatest task, let's say yes to what God has called us to do. The disciples who experienced the resurrection of Christ said yes to abounding in the work of the Lord. God allowing us to abound in his work is always, always, no matter what the circumstances. Paul in prison was abounding in the work of the Lord. People that have been in the hospital with cancer have abounded in the work of the Lord. People who are unemployed have abounded in the work of the Lord. Those who have gone through a divorce that they didn't want have chosen to abound in the work of the Lord. No matter what our circumstance is to say, I'm not going to allow my circumstance to be my boss, to be my authority, to be my dictator, to be my Pharaoh. I'm allowing my risen Savior to control and guide and dictate my life. And I'm going to choose to abound in the work of the Lord. We don't always feel like serving, but many times after we serve, there's an abundance that comes over our soul. Notice here it says, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. God uses every act of service. 
Heaven is going to reward those who faithfully serve the Lord. We saw that last week in our study in 1 Corinthians. One of the things that I believe that God desires and wants out of this time is spiritual revival. For us to wake up, for us to be the church that God desires and intends. So if you need to come back to the Lord in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to return to the Lord, to turn from your spiritual condition and say, it's time for me to return to Christ. And Jesus is going to be faithful to welcome you back into his arms. He's a faithful savior that always allows us to come back and to come home. May I suggest to you, may I challenge you, if if you're not going to come back to the Lord at this time, then when will you come back to the Lord? What will it take? Is there a trial even bigger than the coronavirus that it would take to cause you to come back to the Lord? The Lord loves you and wants you to come back to him, to return to your first love, to passionately following Christ. The resurrected Savior is in your living room. He's in your family room. He's with you in your car as you're watching this on your phone. And he's saying, this is the time, this Easter, for you to come back to the Lord. Then also, for those of you that have never trusted Christ for salvation. Maybe you've thought about it and you've prayed about it. I want to be as clear as I possibly can. The gospel is laid out in that God loves us. And he sent his son to die for our sins and rise again. The good news is the death and the resurrection of Christ. To receive Christ as our Savior, we acknowledge our sin. We understand that we have sinned before a holy God. I don't know about you, but that's easy for me to understand. That I do sin and I have sinned. And our sin separates us from God. Our sin brings punishment into our hearts and in our lives. But Jesus came to the cross and he took that punishment for himself. So we acknowledge that we're sinners and then we turn from our sin. The Bible calls it repentance. We're going this way, away from Christ, and we turn to Christ and we believe. We believe that he died for us and that he rose again. It's one thing to believe about Jesus Say, oh, I believe that Jesus exists. But it's another to believe that he loves you. To believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You're saying, well, what's the big deal if I believe or not? Well, the Bible tells us that those who believe and trust in Christ will go to heaven and receive eternal salvation. But those who reject Christ go to hell and they're eternally separated from God. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to be in relationship with him. It's so important that you believe. And as you believe, then to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. And I am inviting you to be the Lord of my life. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now for those that would like to come back to Christ and also for those that would like to receive Christ as our Savior. So would you bow your head and would you pray with me? And for those of you that know the Lord, that you would be interceding. 
So Father, we do come before you. We thank you that you hear our prayers, that we can draw near to you. I pray for those that are believers that need to come back to you. Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would allow them to hear your invitation of them coming home. If you need to come back to the Lord, repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I've been away for a long time. I've been distracted and consumed with myself. And right now I want to come back to you. I choose to come back to you. Thank you for welcoming me me back. And would you awaken in me my first love. So God, would you bless those that have come back to the Lord. Now for those of you that would like to trust and receive Christ for the first time, would you pray this with me? Would you raise your hand and just lift your hand to Christ and say this prayer with me? Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you love me, that you died for my sins. I repent of my sin, I turn away from my sin and believe that you're God, that you died and you rose again to pay the price for my sin. Now be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me, and thank you for forgiving me. Father, I thank you for those that have just trusted Christ for salvation, that have been born again. God, would you bless them? Would you come right into their heart, into their family room, their living room, make your presence known, protect them from the enemy, and help them to grow in you. So Lord, we celebrate and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.